Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. Hey there, Marketeers. Today, I am joined by Fawn Radmanich of PCL Construction to talk about innovation in marketing and the AEC industry. Enjoy. All right, Marketeers. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I have on Fawn Radmanich, CPSM, who is the Marketing and Communications Manager for PCL Construction Services, Inc.'s California Operations a 20-year professional services marketing veteran for the AEC industry. Fawn is a roll-up-her-sleeves pursuit strategist with particular expertise in leading teams to winning multi-million and billion-dollar design and construction projects. With attention spans rapidly evolving, Fawn has embraced the challenge to find effective ways to communicate with impact. Combining her experience in graphic design and a passion for written word, Fawn embraces opportunities to tell stories that bring words and pictures together to engage both hearts and minds. Welcome, Fawn. Thank you, Keelan. So, favorite question, how did you get into the AEC industry? What's your story? Well, it's just like everybody else, right? I tripped and (laughs) fell. Let's see, I'll go back to graduating college when I wanted to be a journalist, except I realized that I would have to write everybody else's opinions and never be able to write my own, or at least be a very long road there. And so I found myself without direction, and I started applying for jobs. And I happened to get a job with uh, CSU Chico, and they, like most universities, have a nonprofit center for research to happen for faculty. So they have an office of sponsored programs. And uh, I was hired by them to do their website. But being able to be in that spot, I also started helping them look for grant money for research projects. And lo and behold, those research projects were very much in the biology area. And so I worked with requests for proposals and helped professors put their proposals together for grant funding. Fast forward maybe five years, and I was again looking for my next opportunity. I'd been a graphic designer for a transportation planning and outreach firm. And I found an ad for a group that had RFPs listed in their ad. And I said, I know what that is. And so I promptly applied for a marketing position with a water and wastewater engineering firm called West Joe's Associates in Northern California. And they hired me because I had graphics capabilities. And also because hidden in my resume, I had network administration experience on the IT side. And they needed someone to come in and not run their network, but help provide some clarity around the things that their IT person was telling them, but the things that they thought actually were true. And so all of that rolled into basically giving me my first opportunity to work in a marketing role in the AEC industry. That's fascinating. So you actually started in a totally different offshoot of what we see marketing to be today. 
Yes. Cool. <laughs> I can remember my first proposal. They actually said, you have to have an org chart. And I'm like, what's an org chart? <laughs> <laughs> so you are really effective at introducing innovation to your teams and your projects, which is why I wanted to bring you on here to talk about how we bring innovation to whatever we're doing. I think marketing, we're in a unique position to sort of have our ears to the ground in a way that technical staff can't or don't. So can you recall the first time you had some sort of innovative idea and presented it to your team? What did that look like? Who did you do it with? How did you execute? If you didn't execute, why? Gosh, the first time, I don't know if I can think of the first time, but I can think of lots of times early on. And I think before I answer that, I'd want to define innovation a little bit. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time we get asked to innovate as marketers, as people who play outside the box that so many of our technical and operations teams play in. But it's not clear always what innovation is. Sometimes people mean big, earth-moving changes. And sometimes innovation is just a small tweak. And the small tweaks oftentimes are the more effective changes and innovations than people realize. So I would tell you that most innovation that I brought to teams initially were very small. They were small things like bringing some drama to a presentation. But I think probably for me, it would be in the interview coaching space that I first started to innovate because it's an area that most people are pretty uncomfortable in on the technical side. Mm -hmm. And we're always looking for something new or something different to stand out. And at the time we were, uh, the firm I was with, CDM Smith, was chasing work with San Francisco Public Utilities Commission. And they had a very complex pursuit process and especially on the interview side because you would go to the interview and they would bring you inside and they would put you in a room and you had to respond to a scenario. And you had about 30 minutes to do it in and then you had to go and present in front of the client. So we started basically the small innovation I brought forward is what if we actually practiced our interviews from the moment we entered the facility all the way through to the time we cleaned up and closed. Meaning that the recognition that your interview doesn't start when they say go, okay, go ahead and start. Your interview starts actually the moment you step foot in the client's facility. And when you walk in the room and in how you set up your equipment and how you communicate as a team in that setup of that equipment. And then how you go through the interview, which is what everybody expects, but right. then the interview doesn't end after the question and answers. It continues during the time that you clean up and as you exit the facility and you're on from the moment you start to the moment you end. Yep. And that was a small innovation, right? No, no new technology there, no, no groundbreaking ideas really, but it changed how we approached interviews and it changed people's perspective on when they're supposed to be on and how they need to be appearing at all times. I really like that you pointed out that innovation doesn't have to be some mic drop moment, that it can be these little tweaks. I mean, don't get me wrong. The mic drop moments are the moments like people <laughs> we like live for those <laughs> because like the stories are so huge. 
Right. So how do you think of innovative ideas? Do you have sort of a process of looking at a situation and tweaking things in your head? So, I mean, I'm going to pull from a couple of different places probably on here. So hold with me as I go through this. (laughs) So first of all, I think I personally am very fortunate in that to some extent, I think I was born that way. And I don't want to say that in a way to make it sound like you have to be because I don't think you do. But I've had to spend a lot of time kind of breaking apart how did I become who I am to think this way, right? But I do a lot of, I actually do a lot of work with Paula Stamp in our firm on StrengthsFinder. And I've had the opportunity to participate in StrengthsFinder three different times now. And in that, what I've learned is certain strengths come to the top. So I've taken it three times and I have the same strengths pretty much each time, same three main ones. Strategy is always my number one. And ideation is almost always my number two or my number three. And so those two things combined, I think, have made me very fortunate. Very easily, you could say, you know, learning to be more strategic is one way to start to do that. And then the ability to ideate, right, is to another part of it. So kind of taking that strengths finder aspect and breaking that down a bit, strategy is an area that I think contributes significantly to my development of innovative ideas because I don't innovate just to innovate. It's not change just to change. It's for a purpose. So having a problem and looking at that problem and asking myself, how can I get to a solution for that? And so for me, marketing is the problem, right? Like how do we differentiate ourselves from another team, for example? Mm -hmm. Looking at what we put forward, right, in our proposal or whatever it is that we're trying to differentiate ourselves, being able to look at that and not just say, okay, what are our differentiators, but taking myself and putting myself in the shoes of the client, in the shoes of our competitors. And thinking about it from a, how are they going to show up and innovate, right? What are they going to do to stand out? And from a client's perspective of what is it that would actually be innovative or interesting or creative that would appeal to me as a client? And trying to think about it from all those different perspectives and come up with something unique or different that will allow us to stand out. And a lot of those times, those things are just the basic building blocks that we work with every day, but it's how you stack them. So I think that's part of it. For me, the bottom line, more than the ability to be strategic or the ability to be creative, you actually have to know this business. It's not sufficient to just know my marketing pieces. It's not sufficient for me to expect somebody else to know all of the technical things. I need to know enough to be dangerous. And so I ask a lot of questions and I get to know the operations and technical people that I work with. And I'm truly interested in what they do and the things that they find unique and interesting about what they do. And the more I've done that, the more I've learned about the business and the more I can create ideas around what they do. And a lot of the time, that's a lot of questions like, well, what would it look like if we did this? I use that term a lot. 
<laughs> I use what would it look like as my common way to start a, an idea that would be a little bit different for someone to think about. Yeah. I think that's really what it comes down to is knowing the business. And once I know that, then I can take the magic of what is marketing and communications and pair that with the magic of the operations and technical side of things and see how those two things come together to create something new and exciting and different. When I think also what's so special about you is I've heard you tell me or tell someone stories about how you actually come to understand your business. Mm -hmm. And I think you had a good example that you drove around with a PM. I did actually physically drive with him at some point, but what I called it was a ride along. So ride -along. Um, yeah. So people might know this from like back in the days when police officers let kids kind of ride along with them and see how their jobs went. Mm -hmm. I took that concept and then applied it to mine. So I looked at what did I need to really understand? And I was like, gosh, I don't really know what difference on site of a project manager's role and say a superintendent's like I know kind of what they do as far as what I write in like resumes and that kind of thing but not really right. and so I connected with a PM that I really knew well and a superintendent that I knew well and not the highest level folks but people that were like really you know in the trenches and right. set up a day and went out and hung out with them for the day when I hung out with the PM, I was out on our LAX tunnels job. And um, when I got there, he's like, so should I have meetings set up? Do you, do you want to meet the clients? Like, what do you want to do? And I said, I just want you to work. And he's like, but I'm just going to work in front of the computer. I said, uh-huh. Yep. I just want you to work in front of the computer and just let me ask questions and tell me about what you do. And so once he got past that discomfort, he did. He started showing me like what he's doing in the system, but also explaining why and what the benefit of that was. And then kind of telling me the bigger picture that he's looking for. And then he took me out on his rounds around the site. And I came to understand that PMs aren't just, you know, glorified accountants, which is sometimes the way they might come across, right? Mm -hmm. Instead, they're people who actually keep track of everything that's happening on that job and make sure that we're doing the things that we say we're gonna do. And at the same time, they're also the people who are really protecting our fee. We're not a not-for-profit business here. We're in it for money, just like everybody else. We're in it for doing good things too. But they are the people who protect that margin and make sure that we're doing everything we've said we would do for the client and showing up for our client, but at the same time, making sure that we get the benefit out of it as well and finding that balance. And so that was an eye-opening experience for me. It helped me also to understand the relationship between a PM and a superintendent and how while a PM is not over a superintendent or vice versa, it is a symbiotic relationship and that the two of them really have their fates tied to being able to successfully deliver a project. Okay. So then with that understanding, were you able to change anything about how you present proposals or what result did that have? It allowed me to write better about the work that we were doing. I do a lot of narrative assistance. It also helped me when we're putting approaches together to ask questions about, well, well, what about this over here? I thought we did this as a part of our general business practices. And it would allow teams to either correct that understanding for me or go, oh yeah, actually that is something that's really good to include. And so I became 
a part of the group of people who could ideate about our approach and our cell, not just a repository for narrative that someone's going to give me. Right. We've had another episode about that, but I think it's so important to drill into the fact that we're more than editors. And so I love Mm -hmm. that you brought that up because I think we're in a unique situation where we are able to ask these questions and our technical staff know a lot, but they forget stuff too. Mm -hmm. And so just almost like memory support is equally as valuable as the questions that you ask. Well, and if you think about us as kind of like, this gets a little too maybe weird, but we're sort of like bees that pollinate flowers. Whereas each flower group is sort of stuck within themselves and they can't travel over to another flower group, we can. So we get the ability to go over to this project team or flower group and say, you know, do you know that this team over here is doing this? And then they get to learn from that other team because we've helped to make that connection. And so we get to cross pollinate our business all over and allow those connections to happen. I love this analogy. (laughs) That's so perfect. Especially when you work at a large company, things do get siloed. I mean, even within marketing, things get siloed. So you can imagine what it's like when you have different sectors at the same company. I love that. Absolutely. So what are some examples of innovation that you've brought to your teams? Like I said before, they vary. So it's been everything from probably I'll use the pandemic as an example. So when we all went home, while everybody was getting on, you know, virtual platforms and a lot of people and firms went to a Teams platform, my team was right at the front end of that. And when we got into it, you know, we had several design builds going and that meant we need to be able to coordinate with people who are outside of our firm. And so everything went virtual. So everything has a link. So we have a Teams link and then PCL has their proprietary file system, you know, and that was another link. And then we use Smartsheet quite a lot, which is sort of like Excel meets Microsoft Project on steroids. And, you know, so we would have smart sheet links going out to people. And before long, you know, a poor design build team has 15 different links that are coming out to them. And they're like, wait, which one is that again? Wait, where do I go to that? And it got hard to really keep track of all of it. And so in doing a little bit of investigation and looking around, I discovered that Smartsheet ties into Teams as one of the apps that you can have. And it has a dashboard feature. And we figured out how to create dashboards that could create a one-stop shop for Teams that put all the links in one place. And so the only thing you had to share out to everybody was Teams. Here's our team and here's our dashboard. And on this dashboard, you can click on any one of these things to get to the various things that we might need. Team directory, right there. Folders to save your files in, right there. RFP, right there. So that's one idea and a more recent So clever. More recently, I've been playing a lot in the multimedia space because now we are presenting everything through virtual mediums. And so there's Zoom and there's Teams again from that perspective. Our firm is a Teams platform and we like to use Teams Live. 
And for anybody who's had to operate in the team's live environment, it's a terrible production environment. It does not easily go from one asset to the next. So if I have a speaker and I'm moving to a video, there is no way it's going to transition other than to be awkward. And it will be that way no matter how good you are, it's still going to be awkward every time. And so my district had, unlike almost every district at PCL, my district has four leaders at the top of it because we're very large, not just one. So most districts could get away with just the single, here's a presentation view and picture and picture of the one speaker. But ours, that means that we either have to be trading out the speaker constantly, which again, awkward, right. or we have no picture and people don't see the people at all. And so we have been working behind the scenes to figure out how to harvest video from Teams meetings and then take that and put it through a multimedia production software to create an ultimate production that allowed us to easily transition between these different assets, whether it be an individual speaking PowerPoint or a video, and then also be able to have multiple people show up on the screen in their little boxes instead of having a single speaker. That has been a very technical, complex thing, and I have not done it by myself. This is absolutely one of those times in which I ideate, but then I bring in people who actually know better, but I'm right there with them the whole time, right? Like it doesn't happen over on the side. I'm in all of the meetings. I'm learning as I go with them as well. And we just delivered that whole result of that this last week, and we've heard nothing but just compliments on how it came across. And we did it all within the team's environment, just using back-end options to be able to make the process smoother. So smart. One of the things that I'm starting to notice between the stories that you're telling is you seem to have a lot of empathy, as in you're sort of looking at the end user or the end beneficiary of whatever your work is and making the process easier or better for whoever they are. I think that is something really special and sounds like innovation does sort of come from empathy in a certain sense. Absolutely. So the thing I would tell you, and this is in anything that I do, whether it be innovation or just doing my day-to-day job, it is the relationships I have with people that make me successful. that make what I do successful and that allow me to, to put myself in other people's shoes, to think about it from a perspective that is not my own. Um, Because my perspective is limited. It's mine. Um, And while I fall into the box of, of, you know, an audience person potentially, or an employee, it depends on what my audience is I'm trying to establish, right? But even though I may fall in that box, it's still a skewed perspective. And so by knowing more people and being able to understand what they're dealing with and seeing it from their perspective, I get a lot more insight into what I'm doing and it helps to generate ideas because then I can connect it to that dot. Okay, if I go this route with this idea, it accomplishes these things for these people. Oh, but it causes this problem for this person right? And I can think through each idea and the different groups of people I'm trying to 
you know, influence or be able to deliver something for and work a solution that is customized to them. So it's really about customization. I love that. Like something I would say to people when they're looking to innovate is to try not to restrict the ideas, right? Try to open up the flow of ideas and figure out where you get them. Like I get ideas in the shower. I don't know why, just where I've always gotten ideas. And so finding that place and not discounting your ideas, let somebody else do that and be okay with it, but let the ideas come out and then share them with somebody else and use other people as sounding boards for those instead of self-editing because you lose good ideas when you self-edit. Right. I think you brought up something else that's really important when you're sharing these ideas maybe you're not the right person to be delivering the idea. I've noticed that if I share with a technical person, maybe it's not their idea, but it's their initiative that they can sort of bring forward. So you almost have to like prioritize your idea over your ego at some point. I think that's a really good point. The thing that I would say is that it's a shift in mindset. Hmm. Is it about getting recognition of that idea or is it about seeing that idea come to fruition? Because those are two different things. When an idea comes to fruition and I see it happen and I see people's reactions to it, that's where I get fed, right? My ego gets fed there Hmm. instead of at the front end of, oh, you had such a great idea. And I've learned to not care if it's attributed to me because eventually it will be. And so the power of influence has become a huge thing for me. And I've learned to find champions for ideas that I have. So looking at who can deliver that and then going to that person and sometimes overtly asking for them to partner with me on it. And sometimes it's more playing a little bit of a game just to see how you can get it fed to them so that it is their idea. Right. And it moves forward. But finding those champions, especially for those of us in marketing positions and for people who maybe aren't at a manager level position yet, finding those champions, finding those ways to influence and seeing when you can push a button that moves things forward can be a really interesting and exciting thing. Agreed. Well, thank you so much, Fawn. I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Thank you so much for having me, Keelan. All right, Marketeers, that's a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Fawn Radmanich. If you're enjoying this podcast, as always, I would invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every Wednesday. Chat soon.